Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a Q&A episode. I just want to go over a few questions I got from Instagram. Um, but first, before I go into that, I just want to go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, uh, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that would be that will help more people find uh, this podcast. And again, I appreciate everybody that, that listens to uh, the podcast. Next, uh, if you could follow me on Instagram at Jeff. Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore, and that's where I'm most active on social media. Um, so if you have any questions or anything, uh, that's the easiest place to reach out to me. And then lastly, I have my one-on-one online coaching service. And with that, I hope you lose body fat and build muscle with my strategic dieting and training methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to in- individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your uh, specific needs. There's also at least one to two bottlenecks outside of the training nutrition protocol that typically we find with clients that are causing them to not see the results they want, right? So we obviously dive into that and get that figured out um, as well too. So if you're interested, the link's in the show notes or uh, you can reach out on Instagram and we can um, chat further about it. So with that out of the way, let's dive into today's question. So uh, the first one I got was how to change your mindset around exercise from burning calories to building muscle. Really like this question because, you know, I think that this is a big struggle for uh, a lot of people. And so I just want to go over a few ways that how to change that, but also why I don't have clients track how many calories they burn in their training sessions. So let's kind of start there with that. So, you know, why don't I have clients track how many calories they burn and why do I think that this isn't a a great idea? Okay. So, you know, the, the first biggest one is it, it can be very inaccurate. So no matter what you use, you know, it's just, it's probably not going to be accurate. Okay. So the human body is, com- is too complex and there are too many factors at the watch slash treadmills not taking into consideration. So, you know, if you just hop on, put your body weight in, boom, and it's like, oh, this is how many calories you're burning. It's like the body's way more complex than that. And so that right there is just going to tell you, hey, it's probably not going to be um, accurate. You know, I mean, these things in, in research have been shown to be anywhere from like 25% off all the way up to like almost 97% off in terms of how many calories they, they burn, right? So we know it's not going to be very accurate. So that's the first thing. It's like you're you're tracking this, but it also isn't accurate. So w- what is the point of that? You know, that would be like, if you're trying to save money, but it's like, well, hey, just so you know that what you're using here, you know, you know, it could be off by up to 25%. So you could have 25% more than what you're actually saving, or you could be down 25%. You know, you don't, we don't really know. Um, at that point, you'd just be like, well, there's got to be a better way to go about this and, and, and figuring this out. Or it's just like, is that worth measuring? Um, so again, you know, if you're getting the wrong information, why would you, and you know it's wrong and it can be off, why would you want to get that information? So number two, the next reason why I don't have clients track how many calories they burn is two, you may compensate energy elsewhere. So a recent study shown that on average, we may compensate for around 20%, 28% of the calories we burned elsewhere. And so this is mostly going to be through your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Okay. So for example, if you burned hundred calories, your body will lower the calories burned by 28 calories somewhere else throughout the day. So it's going to be like more efficient with movements, less movement throughout the day, et cetera. So again, this is going to come through neat. So it's like, this could be subconscious things that you're not even aware of. The author stated this suggested only 72% of the extra calories we burn from additional activity translate into extra calories burned that day. 
Now, they did mention that this is more pronounced during times of energy restriction. So you're going to see this compensation more when you're not, you know, when you're in a calorie deficit. But this is important because most people track their calories burned for fat loss purposes. So they're likely to be at least trying to get in an energy deficit when tracking this. You may also compensate by subconsciously eating more later if you do not track your food intake. So, you know, that's the other way. So obviously your body's smart and it's not just people think that. By burning calories, it's just an addition to how many calories you're, you're burning, but there is a compensatory reaction to it to where it's going to downregulate how many calories you're going to burn elsewhere. Okay. But also, you may also subconsciously compensate by eating more because you're a little bit more hungry. Or again, mentally, it's like, well, I worked out today, I burned this many calories, so I can eat, you know, this X amount of extra calories for the day. Right. Um, and again, if this is a thing where now you're thinking you're burning 500 calories, but really it's off, it's only 300. Um, but again, you're also thinking on top of that, you're burning 500, but there's also, you know, maybe your energy deficit and your body's compensating by eating less or by expending less energy. You know, now we're talking, you know, you might think that, oh, hey, I'm going to eat this amount now and I'm going to be good. But really, you're, you know, you're, you're way off in terms of how many calories you're actually burning for that activity. Which leads me to my last point, number three, it can lead to you thinking you can add in those calories for the day. You know, the worst part about this is that you assume you can go and eat those calories that you quote unquote burned. But again, not only are these measurements likely inaccurate, but the body is very complex. You know, I also think this method causes a ton of confusion because you end up eating different amounts each day, right? Like if you go off how many calories you burn, it's like, oh, I'm gonna eat this amount today and I'm gonna eat this amount the next day. And so it just adds a lot of confusion to it. Let's talk about what what I have clients do instead and you know what are some ways to change your mindset. So I think the first biggest thing here is stop tracking or paying attention to how many calories you burn. You know, that's going to be the the easiest thing that you can do in this situation is just stop doing that in general, right? Just don't do it anymore. Um, if you know that that's not what you want to do, you're trying to get away from it, just don't do it. You know, if there's a way to lock that on your watch or whatever it may be, do that um, or just don't open that up. And instead focus on progressing your list via weight weight, reps, better technique, et cetera, right? So that's your focus now. You're logging your workouts and you're trying to improve that week over week. And that's now your focus, not how many calories you're burning in your workouts. Because again, I think if you're trying to look at that and you're somebody who's always, that's been your mindset, you're still going to be like, well, why am I not burning as many calories now? I need to increase my intensity or I need to get my heart rate up, whatever it may be. But from there, it's going to come down to you getting uncomfortable sticking with something different for the time being. And this is where having a coach can be super helpful because, you know, if you, it's like, hey, I know I need to do this, but the tough part is, you know, maybe you're not feeling as lean as you, as you should be, or you don't know if you're progressing as well. That, those are going to be the times when you need that extra little push to be like, hey, you just need to keep going. You're still making progress. Here are these things going on. Or, hey, here's where we can improve. It's like, you're not happy with where you're at. What can we, you know, maybe you're not hitting some of these variables that we need to hit. Maybe training's off. Maybe you're not progressing. Maybe your nutrition is off, right? You're kind of one day you're in a deficit, one day you're in a surplus, maybe protein's low one day. So it's like, there's a lot of extra factors that come in that could be playing a role in this. But, you know, again, you don't think like you're progressing like you should. So then you're automatically going to, that's when you're going to be tempted to go back to, oh, I just need to burn more calories. And and that's when you need a coach the most, right? So I think part of it is just getting uncomfortable, but then also sticking with that. And again, that's where having a coach is helpful to help you stick with that when you don't want to do it. Because again, it's like you might be motivated to do it now, but what's that going to be when you get there? Some other things I do uh, to help clients here, in the, but also real quick before I move on, again, it's expectations too, because I think a lot of times the expectations are also a big part of coaching clients is setting these expectations and being like, Hey, you know, you think that this is the progress you should be making, but 
you know, this is where you're at. So like, uh, again, you, the expectations are off, right? Like people think that, you know, they should be building X amount of muscle when really it's like, Hey, this is realistic and here's what you've been doing. So what you've been doing, this is what you can expect muscle building wise. If we want to, if we want to make that go faster, here's some things that we can work on. Whereas when you don't have somebody to have that conversation with, it's just easier to be like, well, this isn't working. I need to switch up what I'm doing. I need to go back to what I did before. So something to think about there, but some other things I do with clients. Um, so I have them track daily activity through steps. Uh, these trackers are much more reliable at tracking steps. This tells you how much total activity you have from day to day. Um, so a lot of times people will have like tough workouts to burn a certain amount of calories, which we know isn't accurate, and then end up seeing their total daily activity through steps go down and end up lowering their total daily energy expenditure, aka how many calories you burn in a day. So um, you know, make sure you tr you're tracking steps instead, because that can be a great way to see where your overall activity levels are um, throughout the day. Next, keep calories the same from day to day. Instead of changing how much a client eats each day, just because of the calories burned, we have them keep the same amount of calories each day. And then from there, I make adjustments based on their results over a longer time frame, like one to two weeks. But you now have a constant variable in steps and calories and can make adjustments from there rather than having to change variables from day to day based on how many calories you burn. Um, I feel like this makes the process much less complicated than it needs to be. So again, those are just some things that we can do there to help you change that mindset around exercise from burning calories to building muscle. But I think the big thing is just getting uncomfortable and sticking to it and just stop paying attention to it um, and focus on those other things uh, that I talked about there. So that was a great question and I felt like it needed to be answered. Okay. So is it okay to train to failure to make sure I'm not leaving anything on the table? I think, you know, my first kind of just thought on this is yes, so long as you are lifting with solid technique, progressing and recovering. Okay. So totally fine if you train to failure, um, so long as those things are, are happening, right? We want to make sure our technique's good. We want to make sure we're progressing and we want to make sure we're, we're recovering. And the biggest reason I say that is because I think most people leave too much in the tank regularly. You know, people can train to failure you know, for a session here and there, maybe for a week or two. And then it's like over time, then they, then they dial back their intensity or they, they don't go as often to the gym, whatever it may be. So what ends up happening is people just leave too much in the tank regularly. It's hard to keep that intensity up and also stay consistent over time too. And this is where, you know, as you get more advanced, it probably becomes important to do deloads to, to monitor your intensity. But I think starting out, there's nothing wrong with like trying to push yourself and training close to failure. Just because again, you probably don't know what that is and you may feel like you're actually training like to failure, but you might be leaving a little bit in the tank. So I think it's probably better to, to caution on the side of training closer to failure, but again, making sure you're maintaining good technique, progressing and recovering because that's important as well too. Um, and again, this comes back to, I think too many people leave too much in the tank regularly. So if you're not progressing over time with your, with your training sessions, again, you don't have to, you don't have to progress week over week. Um, but if you're not progressing over time, over like two, three, four weeks with either reps or weight, you know, maybe you're just under recovering. Um, maybe you're, if you're unmotivated to train, you know, maybe training to failure every single time isn't great for you, right? In the short term, it might work, but long term, you know, you need to look at that. That's another big one there that, you know, tr that people don't consider when training to failure is the long term motivation. You know, obviously, the more fatigue you get and the more you have to just like really push yourself and get close to failure, your motivation is probably going to go down over time. So if you're unmotivated, that's something to look at. If the muscle group you're training is still super sore going into your next training session, then maybe training to failure isn't for you. And so if this is the case, then you likely need to manage your recovery and alter your intensity of training. So what I mean by altering your recovery is, you know, you need to either change when you train certain muscle groups or you need to focus more on like sleep 
maybe more on stress management, or maybe you just need to get away from like, if you're in a calorie deficit, maybe you get closer to maintenance or a small surplus to help you um, recover from training, or it could just be your overall diet quality is off or macro balance is off to where it's like, maybe you're eating, you know, not enough protein, maybe you're not eating enough carbohydrates, whatever it may be. So that's kind of what I mean by you need to manage your recovery. And then alter your intensity of training. Maybe you just dial back how often you go to failure and what exercises you go to failure on. Okay. So again, if those things are in check, like again, you're feeling great, your technique's good, you're progressing, you're recovering, probably fine to train to failure most of the time. But again, if those things are off, that's where we need to make this adjustment and look into things a little bit more. But I want to leave you with a couple more tips here for this topic. So just remember that you can you can train with one to two reps in the tank and you'll still make just as good of progress with lower fatigue. So if you're leaving one to two reps in the tank, most of the time, it's like you're going to get most of the muscle growth that you're going to get from going all the way to failure, right? But you're, that's going to come with a little bit of a lower training fatigue cost, right? And when training fatigue gets high, that's when you're not going to be able to progress. That's when recovery is going to be lower. You're going to have lower motivation, right? So it's like, again, you can kind of cut that off there by, or you can leave one to two reps in the tank, get just as good of as much of muscle growth as you could going all the way to failure, but you're going to have a little bit lower training fatigue. So how I like to do this for myself and for clients is, you know, keep about two reps in the tank from failure early, early in a training phase, and then decrease that to zero to one reps from failure later in the training phase. So it's like the first week, you know, you're just kind of, you're just coming off a deload week first week. Hey, just leave a couple reps in the tank. That's going to be enough to get you where you need to go. And then from there, just start adding reps, adding weight, and you'll naturally get closer to zero to one RIR as the training phase goes on. So again, to sum this up, like training to failure is fine. It's just, you have to pay attention to how you're recovering your motivation. Again, if you're somebody that, you know, you think back, it's like, man, every time I go super hard, it's like three weeks in, I'm just like done. Then you know what, maybe for you, you need to manage this a little bit more where you go closer to two reps for a little bit, then drop it down. And you're not always going to failure, but also keep in mind that most people leave a little bit too much in the tank regularly and they don't push themselves hard enough in their training sessions to build muscle. So again, we want to walk that fine line. And this is just, you know, over time, you learn the skill on how to do that and you get better at it over time. You're not going to be perfect with it right away, but, you know, it takes time to figure out kind of the art to it. But again, that's just going to come down to you learning it, sticking with it, and obviously making changes when you need to. So hopefully that was helpful there. And then my last question for the day is when dieting, would you swap olive oil for like avocado, peanuts, and other things like that? Or would you keep oil? So this is a good question because I think it, it, it kind of hits on like the importance of, I guess it hits on like the importance of, not importance of, but some changes I would make from like going from like a building maintenance phase to a fat loss phase, right? So this is a good way to increase your food volume to manage hunger. So it would be something that I would definitely consider doing, like changing, you know, oil, Again, not very much, no food volume, right? But it's adding calories, it's adding taste. So it's it's like a more calorie dense type food. And that would be a change I would make. And so think about it this way. You know, one of the big mistakes people make in fat loss phases when they're tracking their calories is they try to go too much of a, if it fits your macro, macros approach where it's just like, oh, I can have anything I want as long as I'm in these calories. And what ends up happening is people end up eating very low food volume and more calorie dense food. So it's like that, like, 2000 calories that you're eating is doesn't feel like a lot of food. You're missing out on, you know, you're, you're just, you're just not getting a lot of food. So you just kind of always feel like you're hungry. And then obviously the longer that goes on, the tougher that becomes because you're going to get more hungry as you're losing body fat. Um, you may have to drop calories a little bit more over time uh, to, to continue to stay in a deficit. So over time you just see diet fatigue increase and um, hunger increase. And so at the beginning of a fat loss phase, it, this might not, you might not have to maximize food volume, but as the phase goes on, you're 
going to want to do things that help increase food volume, right? And so again, swapping things like olive oils, oils, or just again, calorie dense foods for more nutrient dense foods uh, would be would be an option, right? So like less, when you get in a fat loss phase, less calories from like drinks, liquid calories, you know, more leaner so- sources of protein, again, swapping oils for more food, like avocado, peanuts, stuff like that. But again, if hunger isn't a problem, it isn't a change you have to make. Like you don't have to do this if hunger isn't an issue. This is more so when hunger becomes a problem. Um, so the other option would be you could also leave it in initially. So it's like, hey, you're going from a building or maintenance phase to a fat loss phase, so you're dropping calories. So initially it's like, hey, hunger isn't super high. You have a little bit of extra body fat, so you're not going to like worry too much about diet fatigue. So you could leave it in initially. And then when hunger starts to increase, then you can make that swap, right? So it's like you have that kind of tool in your toolbox later on down the line, rather than like trying to get everything perfect right away. And like, then it's like, what changes do you make from there? So I think leaving in some things is fine. uh, But again, just just kind of test it out and see what works best for you. But I think either one's fine. And and again, in a fat loss phase, we are going to want to um, increase our food volume to help manage hunger. And so you get basically more, you get fewer calories for more food. And then obviously when you go to maintenance and building, you can start to shift that a little bit t- towards more calorie dense foods. Um, so you're getting a little bit more calories for less food. So that's it for uh, today's episode and questions. Hope you guys enjoyed them. If you have any more further questions on these, you can always reach out to me again on Instagram. Um, but that's it for this episode. And I will chat with you guys next time. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.